This is episode 22 of the Next Year Now podcast. Hi, I'm Maury Clark, professional speaker, marketing strategy consultant, and author of Entrepreneurial You. If you want to learn the habits that will help you transform your career and life, then you need to start listening the Next Year Now podcast with my friend, Tom Hefner. When we're taken back from our lives, it's like sitting on a park bench watching people go by, you get to have this bird's eye view of your life. You can observe, you know, how things are playing in your, out in your life and understand with a compassionate perspective. It just allows you this chance to step back and really digest and reset and, and even transform your life as it is. Welcome to the Next Year Now podcast with Tom Hefner. Tom believes that if you really want to thrive at work and in life, then every day, purposeful habits and practices are vital. The Next Year Now podcast will not only help you identify and integrate these habits into your daily life, but also bring you key insights and lessons from some of the most successful people in their fields. And here is your host, Tom Hefner. Hello and welcome to the podcast devoted to helping you thrive at work and in life. The topic of habits and practices is always front and center in our discussion, but we also explore how we use these habits and practices to improve our personal development, productivity, creativity, health and well-being, business and entrepreneurship. In today's interview, we're going to explore the power we all have within us and how an unwavering belief in yourself can help you accomplish almost anything. In just a moment, we're going to chat with Jocelyn Duffy, an author, self-expression strategist, and creative consultant, and someone who has an incredible story to share about surviving a near-death health scare. In our conversation, Jocelyn and I will be discussing the importance of believing in yourself, especially when no one else will, how to overcome a near-death experience one step at a time, habits and practices that are essential to our health and success in life, book recommendations that will awaken you spiritually and professionally, and so much more. Jocelyn, thank you for joining us today and welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Tom. It's great to be here. Look, we have so much great stuff to cover today with Jocelyn. Not enough time, but you know, in her professional career, she is juggling lots of creative endeavors. And one in particular that I'm really interested in learning more about is her role as a self-expression strategist. And I'll be honest, I don't think I've ever heard that term before. So Jocelyn, help us understand what you do. What is a self-expression strategist? And what do you do to help people in that role? Sure. Uh, well, first off, I'm, I'm a creative and I'm all about honoring our unique gifts. So it's great that you haven't heard the title before. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, I'm not really big into titles, though I believe they serve a purpose of letting others know how we can best serve them. So my work is, is centered around supporting entrepreneurs and business owners with their self-awareness, their personal brand, and their communication. So what's self-expression? You know, this is so much more than the clothes we say, wear, the words we say. Self-expression to me is about sharing our gifts, passion, knowledge, and perspective to promote empathy, growth, and ease of life for others. I help others see how we can communicate in a way that showcases our unique value, but also creates value for others. You've authored several books and you've ghostwritten, I think, 17 others. So clearly, you're very successful and productive in your writing, but it wasn't that long ago that you couldn't even lift a finger to type one word, let alone an entire book or 17 of them. Um, you were really sick. I mean, gravely so. At one point, a doctor told your mom, look, your daughter is going to die. And as a parent, 
my heart just sinks when I hear myself even say that. What happened to you and how did you overcome that near-death experience? Well, that was June of 2016, so not too long ago. Um, I, I truly believe I signed up for something. <laughs> I'm not sure what I signed up for in this life, but I just I experienced the highs, the lows, the ups and downs, as many as, of us have. So in June 2016, I was lying in a hospital room in British Columbia. Um, I was alert and awake in spite of suffering severely from an unknown cause. For several months, I had been unable to hold down food, to digest, to assimilate, to gain any kind of nutrition. And I had been pleading with doctors about something that was askew in my abdomen. Now, given that I had lupus, they assumed this must be the case and there was no other answer. Um, by the time I landed in hospital, I had 50 pounds of fluid and nothing but skin and bones the rest of my body. So, you know, for those of our generation, picture E.T. from the 1980s movie. <laughs> that's pretty much how I look. Um, you know, and, and I can speak lightly to this. However, I was at a point where I needed special nourishment, IV treatments, blood transfusions. I had gone through several procedures that led to being in the trauma ward. The shock to my body had, had led to the rapid loss of my hair. My organs were quickly weakening, and I was unable to walk more than a few shuffled paces at a time. When you think back about that time, what stands out to you now that you've kind of recovered? If, if there's something to be learned from this, um, if I can share just kind of then to now, I mean, it's a longer story than we have time for in, yeah. in this interview. Um, what I did when I was told I was going to die by one doctor, she was willing to let me die because she didn't have an answer. I wasn't willing to let myself die. To really remember that we always have a choice. I made the choice to leave what I had created in British Columbia and move back to the East Coast where there were doctors that I trusted. Mm. Within 10 minutes of seeing a specialist on the East Coast, he looked at me, looked at my labs, and said, it's a blood clot. And he was right. That's the difference that compassion and listening make. So choice and compassion, if there's two things that stand out, those are it. That's such a interesting thing that you bring up. And I, I think of, I don't know if you've ever read the book, uh, Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. <laughs> sure have. Yeah, I mean, he talks about the choice that we all have, and he talks about being in concentration camps and how, obviously, lots of suffering, lots of death. But people, even in those moments, you still have a choice to, to, to choose the way that you live and to choose the way that you, you know, endure um, these pains or these um, whatever it is, right? How did you, how did you come to that? Because that's not something that's, like, you know, natural for everybody, I think, um, in the moment, especially when we're struggling or when we're suffering, how did you come to that kind of epiphany? One of the gifts of dealing with major adversity, such as illness, is that it takes us away from the life we know. Now, we see, may see that as more of a curse than a gift. You know, all the things that we once could do or be a part of, we can't because our, our physical, mental, emotional strength is diminished. However, we have the gift of introspection and awareness. When we're, when we're taken back from our lives, it's like sitting on a park bench watching people go by. You get to have this bird's eye view of your life. And if you really embrace that, it allows you this opportunity to see, you know, these moments where you have a choice, how you respond, that, that pause between the stimulus and the response and see that as an opportunity. You can see your own reactions. You can observe you know, how things are playing in your, out in your life and understand with a compassionate perspective, 
your responses, understand how others are acting or reacting, it just allows you this chance to step back and really digest and reset and, and even transform your life as it is. When you think about your struggles and how you've bounced back from them, that because you know, you're thriving now, what are some of the things that have helped you since then? Or what have you learned since that time? Um, I know we talked before about post-traumatic growth or resilience uh, on the show. What can you say or speak to that? Well, there's a few things, and I hope I can add value here. I was actually introduced to Adam Grant as a, quote, study in post-traumatic growth. (laughs) So hopefully I can provide some value to everyone listening. Um, To begin, you know, if if you're in the situation when you're dealing with such a significant challenge or adversity, the first thing really is is to seek first to have compassion and then take small action. We think about thriving in life. You know, if you're like me and you're stubbornly determined and you're a go-getter, I mean, this is great. This is why I'm alive. However, (laughs) there's always a dance, right, between that forward progressive action and just taking the time to slow down, to listen, and to be compassionate with ourselves and with those in our lives. And remember that even when we're, we're dealing with these circumstances, even the small steps forward are still steps forward. So love yourself through those steps. I mean, I, I was a marathon runner before I got sick. I would run like miles up mountains for fun. <laughs> I don't, for fun. However, <laughs> when I was ill, I couldn't take a few shuffled steps to the bathroom. You know, so how do you get <laughs> from, you know, I've gone from one extreme of being able to mm-hmm. run up mountains effortlessly to not being able to even shuffle with a walker to go to the bathroom and now to get back to this life I loved of being able to run and feel free and thrive, it takes small steps, right? To get there, to realize that I I can't just jump out of bed and go run a marathon, obviously. So we have to love ourselves through those small steps to be compassionate. So let's pull the thread on that a little bit more. If you think about some of the small steps that we have to take during that time or in those, uh, in, in those instances, what are some kind of concrete habits or practices that we can adopt or cultivate uh, to help us through that? I think questioning possibility is a big thing, you know, to, to, to realize that we have so much potential, you know, draw on the strength that you have. Look at what you've overcome or transformed or been resilient through in the past. Really access you know, that strength and use that. If you're questioning, like, how can I, or can't I, you know, I would say, you know, defy rather than justify. Justify is I can't because, Mm. you know, I can't get out and go for a walk because ill. Defy is I will, I can, and I am, right? So it's it's a huge mindset of really seeing the potential and the possibility that is always alive within you. And then adjusting that to our circumstances, right? And that's where the compassion comes into play. I want to circle back to your professional career. You know, as a writer and a creative consultant, you've been very successful uh, writing both consistently. I mean, you have to write consistently if you're pumping out 17 books, (laughs) but also very well. I mean, it's high quality writing, uh, both for yourself and for others. Reflecting on that experience, what are the most effective habits and practices we can adopt to help us achieve similar success? And I don't necessarily mean... Uh, specifically writing, but just being about being successful. Absolutely. Um, success is an interesting word to be told. It, it, we always, we have so many different definitions for what success is. If I can define success personally, it's the choice to live true to our potential and to share that in service with others. 
And here's what's interesting. In the habits I'd like to share, they are for success overall. But however, they also relate to healing from adversity. Because I believe that what we do to get through our toughest times is that which will help us thrive during the more smoother times. And the biggest thing is dedicating ourselves to something bigger. You know, it's bigger than ourselves or bigger than a bottom line in business. And, you know, for instance, using self-expression as service. Um, our lives don't have to be solely about self or service. You know, we can find that balance, that dance. You know, as Wharton Professor Adam Grant says, the most meaningful way to succeed is to help other people succeed and to advance a vision or idea that's bigger than ourselves. Other people matter. I've said that before on the show, but Chris Peterson, kind of a, 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 the godfather of positive psychology, was asked, you know, how would you sum up the, the literature of positive psychology? And he said, other people matter. But to the point that, like, look, our lives have meaning. They have purpose because of the other people, you know, other people in it. Yeah, yeah. And it's using that, that knowledge and the perspective and that wisdom that we've gained to serve. And, and, and educating and encouraging and empowering your audience. And then that means, you know, whether it's your family, company, community, or humanity, we all have an audience. We all have people who are looking to learn from us, who are looking to be, to, to, to gain value from what we uniquely have to offer. So that's something bigger. You know, it doesn't have to be to the extreme of, of God, universe, source, whatever you call it. You know, that can be just really based on universal human values, like compassion that we talked about, right? And, and intertwining those values into your offering, into your service that you provide others. And they say service that can be business, that can be personal, you know, like your children, helping them grow, helping them realize their potential. What are some ways that we can practice or cultivate compassion more in our lives? Um, to, to cultivate compassion, I really believe it, it's about listening. And that sometimes lost art of deep listening and being, being willing to respect the perspective of others. So it's, it's again, stepping back, taking that, that almost third-party perspective, that bird's-eye view, and going, okay, I see how someone is acting, or I see what someone is, I hear what someone's saying, but questioning, like, well, why might they be saying that? And taking the time to sit with them, to be present, to listen. As a ghostwriter and a copywriter and a creative consultant, I spend my days hearing the life stories of others. I mean, I literally have people sending me decades worth of journal entries, their deepest, most inner thoughts. Mm. So you want to talk about building compassion. Here's someone's <laughs> like, wow, here's exactly what I thought, felt, and wanted to say to someone in every circumstance in my life. No, but it's, it's such a gift, and it shows us that we take that time to really listen and understand. We are building compassion. Right? We're being present with, with those people in our lives. Does that help? Yeah. Well, look, before I move on to kind of the, the last part of our show, I want to ask, is, is there anything else we should know about success or bouncing back from adversity? I mean, you've had such, well, such success <laughs> in your writing and creative career, but also in bouncing back and, and showing resilience and cultivating resilience. You know, what else are we missing from the equation that I haven't asked you about yet? I think we need to create more space in our lives. And we do that by keeping things as simple as possible. Now, you're probably thinking this is crazy. It's, it's not going to happen. You've know, got work, kids, everything going on. Uh, I faced life-threatening illness twice in my life. So I know that keeping things simple is no easy feat. But it's because we live in such a complex, ever-changing world that we need to try and keep things as simple as possible. 
But simplicity really is the, tr- the ultimate sophistication. Mm. It's how we find joy, fulfillment, and the answers to questions that really stump us. You know, we're dealing with that challenge or adversity. We're not sure how to move forward. We need to take that time and create space in our lives, right? To really literally hear ourselves think, you know, even if it's 20 minutes after the kids have finally fallen asleep, I am able to write as many books as I do and create as much as I create because of the space that I've created in my life. Those thoughts, those ideas, that clarity, it comes in those moments of space. So take the time to create that space. It'll let you let you know how you can simplify your life. It shows you what really matters and what doesn't, as does going through adversity. Tell us what really matters and what doesn't. I think that's where I struggle. And I've said this before on the show, uh, a similar topic came up, but creating space, simplifying your life. Uh, the Power of Less is another book. Uh, I don't know if you've read that book by Leo uh, Babuta or Babauta, probably butchering his name. But he essentially talks about the same thing. Cal Newport, deep work. How do you simplify your life? And I really struggle with it in two ways. One is if I'm at work or if I'm doing something in the community, I want to be a good colleague. I want to be a good community member. And that means sometimes maybe taking on more than I should or maybe more than I have time for. But I also want to be a good teammate, right? So that's one area where I struggle. And then I think there's the the so-called FOMO, the fear of missing out, right? Sometimes you say, well, this is this sounds like a fun opportunity or this sounds like something would be cool to do. And so maybe you take on more things than you should. How do we, what steps or what habits can we take to help us simplify our life? Because you're right, that is a hard thing to do. I think self-awareness is the greatest foundation you can have. You know, and obviously we all have some level of self-awareness, but really, really diving into that and, and you know, using those 20 minutes that you may be able to get to develop greater self-awareness because of what I've been through with illness and adversity. I know exactly who I am, where my values lie and what I stand for. When you know that it becomes so much easier to identify how you spend your time. You know, it's great to think of everything as infinite, you know, potential possibility and everything else. But if you consider your resources, your time and energy and money as finite, then you become more, disciplined about how you allocate them and where you allocate them. And when we know exactly what we stand for, I'm the same as you. I didn't want to miss out on anything. <laughs> I, I, my, my life began in the financial career. I was work, in the middle of the middle financial sector, working like crazy, uh, playing, you know, provincial level sports, extracurriculars, networking, doing it all, you know, in my 20s. And I was like that. I didn't want to miss out on anything. Things are different now. Because I, I am very particular about what aligns, you know, and, and what is the best use of every single moment. If, you know, if we look at it, not in a, in a detrimental bad way, but if today's the only day we have, you know, there were days where I didn't know if I would wake up alive the next morning. When you have that perspective, every moment in your life is a choice. It's a choice between what fully aligns and what you could do. I, it's funny that you talk. I feel like I've had this conversation with you before, just not you, somebody else, right? Because one of the challenges you have is that, right, and I'll try to take that perspective, and I think uh, we all try to take that perspective, but then sometimes you fall back into the, it would be hard to live life as if today was the one last day, right? Because then you wouldn't, you wouldn't uh, um, save for your retirement, or you wouldn't plan for the future, or you wouldn't, and I think the hard thing is for us is, What's that balance to play of 
living for the now, living the present versus obviously there are things that we have to do to help us, you know, plan for the future or and whatnot. So yeah, that's just something that I know we struggle with. And, uh, so it's, it, it, at least if nothing else, it's, it's heartening to know that somebody else has gone through this and come out on the other side as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a last day mindset, but I'm not a living like your last day, you know, because I, I have a, a, a client who's a, a motivational speaker. He says, I don't want to be on the highway with a whole bunch of people who are living like it's their last day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Never take this Porsche to 105 miles an hour. Might as well try exactly. that today. This is not a safe place to be. Like, yes, we need to continue putting money in our bank accounts. It's called paying yourself first. It's a principle we taught in the financial sector, right? You have to keep living for your tomorrows, but essentially every tomorrow is a today. So live every tomorrow like it is a today. And today is really all we ever have. Jocelyn, uh, I want to segue to one of my favorite parts of the show. And this is where we get to talk about what I consider to be one of the most important habits. And that's the habit of reading. Take a moment and think about the books you've really enjoyed over the years or even books that have moved you deeply. What are the two or three books that stand out for you? I'd have to kind of go back to the initial stages of when I really started to go into more uh, a more profound awareness and wanting to develop greater meaning in life. Of course, Viktor Frankl's book is part of that. The Celestine Prophecy by James Redfield is always one of my favorite, favorite books. It's, it's one I started out with, really, in this journey of greater self-awareness, awareness of others, and awareness of deeper meaning in life. And I realized years later why I love this book, because James speaks to insights, and I believe that insight is something that we all have the capacity to create and to contribute to others. And it's just such a magical book. It's, it's written in a way that's, that makes things come to life even more and it, it gives you new perspective on the way you see your own life. From more of a business perspective, I'm a huge fan of Stephen Covey's The Eighth Habit. Uh, many of us know the seven habits of highly effective people. The Eighth Habit is about finding our voice and helping others find theirs. And incidentally, I kind of came into this book after creating a business that was doing exactly that, <laughs> <laughs> which is wonderful. And, and, you know, the late Stephen Covey speaks about going from effectiveness to greatness in the eighth habit. So if you want a book that really speaks to not only how we operate in business, but operate in life and, and looking at ourselves and others, you know, things like compassion and understanding and support and potential, they, there is so much meat to this book. It's small print and it's really thick, um, you know, but it, there, there's so much to it. So take it and digest it. It's, it's a wonderful read. I loved his uh, previous book with, you know, the seven habits of highly effective people. So I'm going to get that uh, when we hop, uh, hop off here, I'm going to grab that book right off Amazon and uh, start reading it this week. Wonderful. Wonderful. What, uh, what books are you looking forward to reading or what, which ones are on your, uh, you know, your bookshelf waiting to be read? There are a few. Um, really diving into self-expression and potential and, and helping others develop greater meaning in their lives. Um, I'd like to read the 1995 book by Tony Schwartz, What Really Matters, about living a truly meaningful and complete life. And then on the inside side of things, uh, Seeing What Others Don't uh, by Gary Klein. I've also found fascination in recently going back and reading older books from the late 1800s. And it's, it's very interesting to me how there are themes like self-expression, thoughts that are expressed by those in that generation that we are still, you know, asking and questioning today, <laughs> all these years later. Um, so that book would be, uh, Is Life Worth Living? by 19th century physician, philosopher, and psychologist William James. I just have a lot of interest in really diving into that book. 
So if you love William James, then you should check out, there's a book that my former uh, graduate professor at UPenn, um, James Powelski, wrote about William James. He was a huge William James fan. Obviously, he's the director of the Applied Positive Psychology Program at University of Pennsylvania. So William James, a lot of that. It's funny how, you know, William James, you can bring up Aristotle, you can bring up Socrates, the list goes on. Kant, all these people that talked about and pondered these questions of life and uh, and what it means to live a good life. And now we're kind of coming full circle again, I think, because people are getting, you know, maybe burnt out with the, uh, the pace and chaotic nature of life today. Yeah, I think reading these books provides this comfort in the consistency of what it is to be human, you know, the journey that we're all going through. And it also provides us inspiration to initiate change, you know, for the betterment of humanity. If, if we're still dealing with the same great, you know, challenges that tug away at our hearts and our souls and our minds, then, you know, we, <laughs> we need to advance this cause. We need to, to develop it further to really support positive change. What are you working on now that you're excited about? I'm really diving into more education, encouragement, and empowerment for others. While I've done a lot of the actual ghostwriting and copywriting, I'm now moving into really empowering people to deter, to you know gain the the principles and practices that help them fully self-express in a way that is providing service to others. I'm working with a lot of incredible entrepreneurs and business owners who are really providing this intersection between the social sciences and business. And I really love this because my past life is working for Fortune 500 companies as, as a writer and content producer. And then I have this <laughs> incredible journey of dealing with life-threatening illness, which has really brought forth the more psychological and spiritual aspects of life. So I love helping others blend those worlds. Awesome. What, what does that look like? Uh, I mean, are, are you looking to offer online webinars or are you blogging about this? I mean, how are you bringing that, that idea to fruition for, uh, for the listeners and for the readers? I've got blogs right now, um, social media presence that I'm building as well. I've got two books of my own that I'm working on as time allows. Um, the two facets of self-expression, voice and choice. Um, e-courses will and webinars will come um, down the road as well. Okay. If somebody wanted to learn more about you, what would be the best place to do that? You can find me on my website, which is jocelynduffy.com. That's J-O-S-C-E-L-Y-N-D-U-F-F-Y.com. And I actually have a free gift there for anyone who's interested. It's called Communicating Values. And it's five steps to increasing visibility and viability in your business. It's all about exactly what we talked about earlier, which is, you know, how do we express our value in a way that offers value to others? And that's at jocelynduffy.com slash gift. Okay, cool. And I'll, uh, I'll make sure that's in the show notes page. Um, so it's easy for people to, to access if they want to do that. Wonderful. Awesome. Well, Jocelyn, that's all I have today. Thank you so much for everything. This was fantastic. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks so much for having me. And thanks everyone for listening along. You can connect with Jocelyn online through her website, jocelynduffy.com. That's J-O-S-C-E-L-Y-N-D-U-F-F-Y.com and her Twitter account, at Jocelyn Duffy. All the links and resources Jocelyn and I discussed, including the link to her free gift, Communicating Value, Five Steps to Increasing Long-Term Visibility and Viability in Your Business, can be found at the page created just for this episode, 
You'll find it all at nextyearnowpodcast.com slash two two. And finally, just a reminder, if you like the show and enjoy learning from our guests each week, please consider giving us a rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us stay relevant and findable by listeners like you. That's it for today. I'll see you next time.